Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Welcome to Cavs, a podcast. I'm Nate Smith, and I'm here with David Wood and the voice of Cavs, the tweets, uh, Elijah Kim. And, uh, and we just, we just saw another depressing Cavalier loss, a, uh, one where they kind of collapsed in the fourth quarter, a 114-102 loss of San Antonio Spurs. Uh, Cleveland came out to a nice first quarter, 29 points, and then uh, San Antonio ran up 38 in the second, and then a 25 to 21 fourth quarter where Cleveland looked like they were in striking distance, but a big flurry by the Spurs kind of doomed the Cavs. Um, and I don't know where to start, but I know where I want to start. Um, David. Does Isaiah Thomas, is he, I'm not even talking about a starting point guard in the NBA. Does he belong in the NBA right now? Uh, maybe coming off your bench after your backup point guard. <laughs> <laughs> he just, uh, he looks very, very slow. And even the announcers were commenting on it tonight, which that hasn't happened yet, at least in the games I've watched. But he, he can't get by anybody anymore. It's like, he's the slowest guy on the court, it seems like, at times. And then with his height, he definitely isn't going to get any separation on anybody. And if he's not scoring, he can't be out there, which sucks right now. Right. And uh, and he has a 30% usage right now, which is, I think, tops on the team in terms of uh, not total usage, but, you know, usage percentage when he's on the court. Um and I don't know what you saw, but basically the only real positive plays I saw from him tonight were the two plays where he basically baited the ref into picking up cheap fouls on the three-point line. Um, 
which which even made me cringe because they were both pretty bad. The first one he kind of did the flail when uh, Dejounte Murray touched him in the back, and the other one he kind of stuck his leg out as uh, Jeff Green was going by. So, um, Eli, anything to add on Isaiah Thomas? Yeah, I think uh, I think I can officially say Danny Ainge crept us really bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I. I feel like when – so here's my take on Isaiah Thomas, who had 14 points, a led the Cavs in plus minus – or trailed the Cavs, I guess, in negative 15, three turnovers and two assists on three of nine shooting in 28 minutes. And really, he only had eight points, and six of those were because of a bad, two bad calls. So, yeah, he does – he looks like to me – that he does not belong in the NBA right now. Um, I would wager, and I don't have the numbers to back this up, but from a plus-minus perspective, he might be the worst in the NBA in net rating right now. Because um, I think we calculated it the other day. The net rating, just from uh, basketball reference, was like around 23, negative 23 when he's on the court per 100 possessions, um, which is unfathomably bad. Uh, the Cavs are four on five when he's on defense, and it just looks like, to me, everyone else on the floor knows it, and that's why they don't care, because they know they're going to get waxed no matter what happens. And offensively, he controls the ball, but the Cavs don't run an offense, and he doesn't kind of really know where to be, and so it's just kind of a really, really bad pickup game offense from the Cavs. But my theory on him is that he should have gotten surgery in the offseason, chose not to because it's his contract year, and he's trying to put up big numbers because it's a contract year and get that big payday. And he probably, that hip injury may have cost him $100 million. I mean, he just looks like a shell of himself right now. And... He is a tough guy to play with when he's on, but when he's off this badly, he's one of the worst in the NBA. And I knew that fourth quarter, when he went back in the game, they were done. I knew there was no way they were coming back because he's just unplayable at this point if you want to win basketball games. (laughs) I mean, I don't see any other way around that. And, yeah, like you said, Eli, it looks like they got crooked by Danny Ainge. So it's it's unfortunate, and... Uh, the the summer of of Corby, as we've called it on the on the live threads, is uh, is looking pretty rough for the Cavs right now. Um, so aside from Isaiah Thomas, um, I mean, until that situation gets solved, can the Cavs even do anything, Eli? Yeah, I think they could do a lot to fix a lot of these issues. And even if they don't end up being solutions, they got to try something different. You can't just keep throwing the same lineups, the same rotations out there and expect a different result. I mean, it's just so frustrating watching J.R. Smith, Crowder, those guys get in 30 minutes in a game that should have been a blowout. I mean, those guys just can't shoot well enough to stay on the floor. Well, Crowder I don't had a good know. game tonight. I mean, three or four. Crowder five. did. The line. And, uh, yeah. But they kept JR in for so long. And it's just amazing. I, 
I think it's sad to say, but I think Jared Smith is washed. I think there's nothing he can do anymore at his age to uh, kind of turn it around because he's not going to shoot a three if he's, you know, even open. And when he does try to shoot, he just has no confidence in himself. Yeah. And And I just think it's ridiculous that he plays so much because I think all the players are like, oh, this is the JR we've had for, you know, two and a half years now. But it's not. He's a complete shell of himself. Yeah. So what is your who do they play instead of JR? You got. I think you play Wade and Jeff Green or Corver more. I mean, you have so many wings on this team, but I think the biggest weakness is you have like three guys that are barely start. I mean, none of them are completely a starter level shooting guard in the NBA right now. Who's that? And that's the problem. You have to play all. You have to play all three of them significant minutes. I think Corver. He's a specialist. He's not really. He can't defend well enough to be a starter. I don't think. Unless you have a very defensive-centric lineup like the Hawks did when they won 60 games. I mean, they had Horford and Millsap and um, DeMar Carroll. So they you know, could kind of mask his defense deficiencies. But on the Cavs, I mean, you have Isaiah Thomas as his backcourt mate. There's no way you can prevent any guard from scoring if Corver was going to share significant minutes. Um, I, I don't think Corver's as bad as you say he is, but he he is more of a system defender, and you get him in isolation, and and he's you know he's going to struggle. But the I think the other problem with Corver is I think at the age he's at at thirty seven he can't play starters minutes um, anymore. I I would have a hard time. I think if you put him up over twenty five minutes a game, he would probably start to break down, and that may, number may be closer to twenty. So. Yeah, and that's the other problem with D yeah. Wade at this yeah. point too. You can't start D Wade no, for that can't. same reason. Can't. We've seen what he's like on back to backs. So, do you think Chetty Osmond should be getting more minutes? Yeah, or they could be playing like a kind of a big lineup. I mean, Ty Lue has thrown Jeff Green out there to guard point guards, so I guess defensively Green could probably match up twos if you want to stay that creative, just to keep another long guy on the floor. But I just, it just, it's just so frustrating because Shumpert and Jr. are just essentially unplayable. But they keep on playing uh, Jr. at least like twenty five plus a night and expect something different to happen. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, to me, I I don't think he's irredeemable, but he's definitely a seriously streaky player who uh, definitely has a confidence problem right now. But to me, it's just more the same with the Isaiah Thomas issue is. When he's playing and he can't play, um, to me at an NBA level right now, everybody else on the court is going to suffer and, and him along with it. Um, his defense is so bad now too. Like oh, he oh, doesn't yeah, even make, J.R. Smith. Yeah. Yeah. He like doesn't even pay attention if he's off the ball. It's horrible. Yeah. He, he's seems very disinterested most of the time, as do a lot of the Cavs. Um, and they seem to want to turn it on in stretches and then kind of fall apart. Um, and let's not talk about how many offensive rebounds the Cavs gave up tonight. Um, I think the number for uh, San Antonio was 13. Uh, Nijante Murray killed the Cavs on offensive rebounds with uh, 
four. Did four. Yeah. And, uh, and he got a double double with DeJounte Murray, uh, had 19 points, 10 rebounds, seven steals. Um, pretty good night, uh, for, I think it was his first start over, uh, Tony Parker. Uh, and then the other guy that killed the Cavs, obviously, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge played 40 minutes, 30 points, eight rebounds, 12 of 18 shooting. The Cavs just had no answer for him and kind of refused to run a disciplined, uh, defensive, uh, game plan against him. I mean, I think the announcers, Kevin McHale and I think it was Chris Weber pretty much were talking about how, you know, Tristan Thompson, you can maybe guard him one on one, but when Love's out there, you pretty much have to send double teams. Well, the Cavs were terrified of double teaming, and so Lamarcus Aldridge just killed him. Um, and and I don't quite know why they were terrified of double teaming because the Spurs were eight of twenty eight on the night, um, for only twenty eight percent from three. So I felt like the Cavs could have actually lost this one a lot more. Uh, if San Antonio missed a lot of three threes that they might normally make, uh, especially Jeff or Danny Green. So, but, uh, yeah, defensively, he's just the Cavs. I would wager have the worst starting backcourt in the NBA right now. Um, I don't even think that's a debate. I mean, I can't think of anyone, you know, maybe Dallas is, is better or is worse, but that's, that's close. I mean, I, I gotta think the Cavs are worse. Um, as far as what you saw from LeBron tonight, um, David, did you like what you saw or did you feel uh, he was engaged or? He's in checked out LeBron mode again. Just all the long twos. Like, why? He can get to the hoop whenever he wants, especially tonight. With who they they kept putting weird guys on him like Kyle Anderson's not going to slow him down, and it's, it seemed like I think Bertrand's ended up on him a couple times and Green was on him. <laughs> yeah, and then the one time he had Bertans on him, he just dribbled it off his leg. <laughs> yeah, like I, it makes it's crazy, and his shot looks bad again. Like oh, he's yeah, leaning he's, and just doing leaning, he goofy stuff. It, <sighs> yeah, his shot has fallen apart since Christmas. He just doesn't seem – he really just doesn't seem like he cares at all. And, like, I I know he had the statements about, like, oh, it's just whatever with the team and stuff. Like, I kind of think he's just become so used to it now where, like, he might actually feel that way. Yeah, well, I also think, you know, winning becomes a habit and losing becomes a habit. And it's kind of become a habit for this team. I mean, being checked out. Um, what you, would you see from LeBron tonight, Eli? I think he was super unfocused. He just wanted to get his uh, record, and he got in the first quarter, and that's kind of all he really wanted to do tonight, it felt like. Yeah, yeah, and I, I definitely not playing defense. If you play 38 minutes and you pick up no personal fouls, you are not playing defense. <laughs> I mean, he had one block and zero personal fouls, so... He's clearly, and the Cavs as a team had 14 personal fouls. I mean, I think there was only one quarter where they were kind of even close to the bonus. So I felt like the Cavs weren't, you know, playing with any physicality at all, especially LeBron. Um, and the other thing is just LeBron's turnovers killed the team tonight and several of them were really bad. I mean, he had 
the a couple off his legs. Um, the jump pass. The jump pass. He and Isaiah Thomas both had a jump pass that went like literally to the defender that was guarding him. Like they just jumped in the air for no reason and turned it over. Um, and then of course, uh, Derek Rose had one of those as well. Um, oh, Derek Rose had four turnovers and 13 minutes. Yeah, but he um, wasn't that bad. Like I felt at least he played with some energy. Like he was trying to yeah. push the ball and, you know, he had a plus minus a one, which of guys that played in, you know, rotation minutes. I truthfully the Cavs would be better off with Derrick Rose starting right now. I mean, Isaiah Thomas is that bad. They should just bring Jose back. Well, I I don't know what they're doing. I mean, I mean, we'll we may talk about uh uh George Hill a little bit later, but as far as the Cavs, I mean, I I couldn't tell you what their plan is. It just makes no sense. I mean, it's completely obvious to me and I would wager anybody who watches games regularly that you know isaiah thomas has nothing but yeah the 18 turnovers by the Cavs were a huge issue i mean they were in this game right until you know the last four minutes um but those those two lebron turnovers and just then he started checking up bad shots at the end um and i kind of feel like lebron doesn't like driving on san antonio because they seem to know just where to attack him from like they're really good at finding out his, where his blind sides are, excuse me, and sending weaker defenders or sending good help defenders after him. Um, also, clearly, to me, uh, big issue not getting the ball to Kevin Love a lot. You know, eight shots, um, it just not getting the touches on the post. Not, I mean, they didn't have Gasol in, and they weren't trying to do anything to beat the Cavs up or beat them up inside. So they weren't yeah. even running down the floor enough. No, like try to tire Aldridge out. He's a big dude. Yeah, he's not going to be able to keep up with you if they actually did that. Or run an offense in the half court. I mean, the Cavs. I just felt like took their offense lately. Just takes so many quick shots, and they're not quick good shots. They're not quick open shots. They're like I'm going to come down and pull up on a three, and then start a break for the other team. Or, you know, I'm not going to get to the basket and hit the secondary break. I'm going to just, you know, step into a long two, which Dwayne Wade is the master of that. And, I mean, he, fortunately, I only saw him do it once tonight. But, yeah, it's, they like, get love touches in the post and at the elbow and, you know, run on offense so that when you do get a shot up, the other team doesn't get a run out on you. So, I don't know. Um... Yeah, I I saw LeBron kind of checked out as well, but I think everybody on the starting my theory is everybody on the starting unit is checked out. What's what are you doing there, David? Nothing. No, oh, somebody may need to mute their mic, but it sounds like somebody's digging in the couch for change. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, but yeah, so. I feel like everybody on the starting lineups checked out as long as Isaiah Thomas is in there. So, um, so as for the bench, uh, you know, the bench had some good moments. They weren't as bad as the starters. Uh, Tristan Thompson, though, uh, one rebound in 19 minutes as, uh, as a center is, is pretty bad. Um, lots of missed box out by the guards didn't help him. 
but uh, he finished with eight, had a nice little chemistry in the second quarter with uh, Rose and Wade, which I know how much you love the spacing on that unit, David. Well, I mean, they kind of do they do more than the starters do offensively, which is kind of sad. But uh, Dwayne Wade, like, he can't really shoot threes, but the way he cuts opens up the floor a lot, mm-hmm. surprisingly. Cause he, he just seems to know how close he can get to Thompson before it's going to become an issue. Right. And just, like, he does enough to draw Thompson's guy off of him to free him up under the hoop. Yeah. And he kept throwing those nice, um, like when Thompson was sealing really early, he was always, he always finds him. Yeah. And Thompson did a nice job of sealing and finishing tonight, like better than he normally does. Uh, he actually had good hands tonight. I think somebody on the live thread mentioned they saw the best catch they'd ever seen from Trump hands Thompson, <laughs> 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 which I thought was pretty funny. Um, so yeah, he had, he wasn't terrible, but you know, the, the the lack of rebounding is just brutal. You know, nobody's boxing out on this team, and nobody's, you know, especially Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas just, DeJounte Murray killed him because he just would not put a body on anybody. And Isaiah Thomas, I mean, I saw him give up on so many plays defensively where he just, you know, didn't communicate on the switch or just he got beat and did the old... Isaiah or the old Kyrie Irving, I'm not gonna get bothered to try and get back in the play, and it it was a mess. Even when he's like playing correct defense, he has to be so close to whoever he's closing out on because he's so short, right? That it doesn't even really it doesn't. I mean, obviously no, having someone there is better yeah. than no one, but he's essentially no one even when he's playing right. Yeah, he's a traffic cone. <laughs> <laughs> um. You know, but Dwayne Wade had himself a nice game, 12 points, six rebounds, a couple of assists, a couple of steals, uh, had a, had a block around the basket. I, I felt like, I mean, it would be nice if we could get this Dwayne Wade every night, but it seems like we get this Dwayne Wade like every other night. And so I feel like the next game, they're going to kind of be due for a bad game. Um, but he's, you know, an order of magnitude better than Thomas. Um, Jeff Green, another, Nice game. Had a really good second quarter where he kept attacking the basket. Uh, he had a, a monster jam over uh, over David Bertans in the second. Um, I mean, one of the better dunks of the year by by the Cavs. So uh, eight points, three or four shooting. Uh, and Kyle Korver still struggled from three tonight, one of four. Are you as frustrated watching... Kyle Korver as I am, David, with the lack of plays that they run for him. Oh, I was going to say I'm not frustrated with him at all. He, yeah, it's, it makes no sense. He can't make his own shot, but he's one of the best guys at running off of screens, and it doesn't take a lot. Just set a flare screen for him a couple times a game. Yeah, and like it's going to open up the yeah. entire floor, and they refuse to do it. And he's trying so hard on defense. He's our best off-ball defender by far. And he just gets no credit or, like, any help on the offensive Oh, end. yeah. Like, when it comes to lock and trail, he's, like, literally the only guy at, on the team that's even competent at it. <laughs> you know, I mean, maybe Dwayne Wade a little bit, but, yeah, I, I totally know what you mean. But, I, I mean, they used to run so many sets for him where they would, you know, do scissor cuts or whatever. And just they run that one play where he gets the ball out 
you know, he gets the off ball screen out on the left wing and he comes to the top of the key. That's literally the only play they run for him. <laughs> and and Guys, sometimes the other thing is with Corver, yeah. they would do the flare screen with chaining Fry. Oh yeah. When totally. Fry was playing yeah. and then you can't, you can't double that. You can't, uh, defend that when both of them can shoot threes. Well, and plus, uh, Fry rolled inside right? just enough to keep the defense honest. You know, and he actually rolled and finished better than Tristan does usually. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we've all talked about how, I mean, I feel like we're beating a dead horse with the, with the Channing Fry thing. I think Jeremiah Singleman today, Jeremiah Singleman today said that, um, you know, maybe Fry is unplayable against the Warriors, but the Cavs shouldn't even be worrying about the Warriors right now. And, and, uh, Fry is leading the team in plus minus, and the fact that he's not playing is just kind of mind boggling. Um, yeah, and we had another tonight. I thought it was funny that he did not dress tonight, and somebody tech- tweeted at Ali Clifton, "Why isn't he dressed?" And the answer was abdominal strain. And like, do either of you guys believe that at all? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, he's, <laughs> he's going to get traded or something. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the the news today was that George Hill was uh, on the one-yard line, was the quote. That trade was on the one-yard line for uh, for Iman Shumpert, who I think only played five minutes tonight to show that he could actually exist on a basketball court, Um, and Channing Frye. So it's odd, you know, he didn't dress tonight, but... I I'm, I don't hate that trade, um, and and maybe we'll get to it in a little bit. But uh, uh, you know, other observation: Derek Rose, uh, Eli, uh, did you see anything you liked, or I mean, what was your kind of general takeaway on Derek Rose? Well, I thought he actually played okay when he wasn't turning the ball over on like stupid mistakes. I mean. That backcourt violation is literally like the dumbest basketball play I've seen this whole year. He was just running towards Tristan Thompson and then across the backcourt and took the handoff. <laughs> it was the dumbest play I've seen this year, and that's saying a lot. And um, I think he's at least athletic enough to try in spurts against other point guards. I mean, he's a freak. he was a freak athlete, and he still has some of it left. So, I mean, I agree. I think at this point, you have to, if he started over Isaiah, it'd be a better, a better, um, a better group, even if, uh, uh, clearly the first thing you think about was spacing. And, uh, it's just so frustrating. And I hope we get to this later, but I just don't see how we can keep Ty Lue as a coach any longer this season. It's just, it's unbelievable. <laughs> so um yeah and then we can talk a little bit about how i believe they say you don't choose the app uh dejounte murray you know now starting for the for the spurs 21 years old uh out of washington 29th pick of the draft how do the spurs keep doing this they get a, a guy who's starting in his second year for a playoff team at point guard with the 29th pick. I mean, it's just like you just look at a way two organizations are run and the the Spurs 
and the Cavs could not be more different in, in the way those two organizations run. And I mean, the Spurs really impressed me tonight with the way they just kind of played. The guys came in and played and played their positions and played to their strengths and, you know, got the win. Uh, Kyle Anderson, you know, a guy who can get you 10 points, 12 boards and five assists, you know, as that's still probably the slowest guy on the court. Um, you know, Lamarcus Aldridge, you know, they don't win that game without him, but. And then Tony Parker off the bench just abused the Cavs. You know, he had in 18 minutes, he had 14 points and six assists and one turnover. And the Cavs just had no answer for him in the pick and roll at all. I, oh, Shumpert was getting burned so bad. Yeah. Well, everybody was, but yeah. <laughs> uh, how old is Parker now? He's like 38. I believe so. Yeah. Right around there. And it, yeah, it's just impressive. Oh, it's totally impressive. I mean, I hate to say it, but an eighth grade girls basketball 30, team can guard the pick and roll better. Well, I don't think that is true, but no, it is completely true. I've seen them be, play. Be consistent, at least. Yeah, they would at least <laughs> go under the screen correctly every time, or like instead of, oh no, we're going to switch. Oh wait, no, I'm going to go under, and then yeah, they like, just decided to switch everything, and then you had. Aldridge on J.R. Smith for the whole second quarter. I mean, that's that's how you're going to lose games. Well, and then the funny thing about that is it's like it's so obvious. <laughs> like when you're watching it happen, it's like, how does this happen? This just seems so ham-fisted by the Cavs. <laughs> so. well, I like their attempts to keep doubling down from the strong side. And LeBarcus clearly sees them coming and just passes out. The Spurs were getting open threes like every time. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the one time, yeah, I saw Dwayne Wade sneak in from the weak side and get a steal, but it was against the bench unit. But yeah, it's just like, it's just like the Cavs just seem, I don't know if, yeah, poorly coached would be a a good way to put that. So (laughs) it's, it's, it's pretty funny. I mean, I don't know what else you can say about it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you address the elephant in the room, quote unquote, you know, to steal a phrase from supposedly from the players meeting that the Cavs had yesterday, uh, where people were calling out Kevin Love for being sick, allegedly, um, which, you know, I don't know how much I buy that whole story. But, uh, the elephant in the room to me is, you know, yeah, Tyloo does not seem, he seems like he, He's almost reminding me of Phil Jackson, like when he was talking about uh, trading Kristaps uh, Porzingis. It almost seems like he's trying to be fired at this point. Like uh, he he seems like, are you serious? You know, I do. You, do you think he could honestly be trying to be fired, Eli, or is he this incompetent? I think he has. He just signed a big contract last year. He's making like seven million a year. There's like three and a half years left of that deal. Getting fired and not having to watch your rebuild is not the worst thing in the world, and maybe that's what he's thinking. But it's just unbelievable that he can continue to uh, trot the same lineup, same rotation every game, and not ex- expect something completely different to happen. And actually, today, Ty Lue, after the game, did say he's going to make a lineup change, but he's not sharing with us uh, <laughs> what that is. 
But I, I have, how much do you want? I have that? a feeling it's going to be on. It's going to be Tristan Thompson in the starting lineup, right. and they take Crowder out because they're going to play Andre Drummond, who's getting 15 rebounds a game on Friday and Sunday. Yeah, but unless to me, unless that change is Isaiah Thomas coming out of the starting lineup, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, the Cavs have the worst starting lineup in the NBA. I mean that that Isaiah Thomas starting is literally one of the worst lineups in the NBA. Uh, so if as long as that's happening, the Cavs have no choice. And it boggles my mind that you know Ty Lue would play these lineups where guys get uh, you know Kevin Love wouldn't play in the fourth quarter if the team was hot. Yet somehow the sacred cow of Isaiah Thomas has to come back on the floor even though the Cavs are doing better with him off it. like, And then it just makes no sense. I don't know. What about you, David? Do you do you feel like Ty Lue is... To me, the answers are he's trying to lose or he's incompetent. What, or then he's being told what rotations have to be played by the front office. Uh, which, which of I those is just, the answer? I think he's just incompetent. He kind of he locked into the Cavs being ready to win a title, and then it just has gone downhill since then. Yeah, and I don't know. He's just enabled LeBron to keep doing LeBron-y type weird stuff with like the team in general, and it, it doesn't work. Like maybe um, the year we actually won the title with David Blatt like getting fired midway, whatever. Maybe David Blatt actually did make a giant difference to get LeBron to just cool it enough to receive some coaching, and it's just gradually worn off. And Lou just never actually had control of the team. It was just a matter of time before it kind of got away from him. I, I it very well could be true. I mean, he just, yeah, he seems like he has no control, but he also seems like he doesn't want to hold anybody accountable for anything. I mean, the fact that they didn't even bother to look at film against Oklahoma City is like <laughs> it's just kind of baffling. <laughs> but I mean to me it's his insistence on playing Isaiah Thomas is that if that's coming from the front office then that's the issue. If he really thinks he can win with Isaiah Thomas then he doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like it's ever going to work. Ever. I mean, he might just be giving him a chance to see if he can get him into game shape. Oh, I, I think mean, that, if I, I think if that's Isaiah's, what is happening. But if Isaiah's done, the team's not going anywhere. Oh, I don't agree title. with that. They have LeBron James. They have Kevin Love. I think to me, Isaiah well, Thomas. I would rather move Isaiah Thomas as an expiring contract in this uh, in this supposed George Hill deal than I would Channing Frye. I mean, I think that the organization thinks that way. Well, essentially, yeah, because they traded away Kyrie. Like and, they and really want it to work. So, when you say the organization, do you mean Dan Gilbert, Ty Lue, or Kobe Altman, or LeBron? Like, who do you think? I is- think it's a LeBron, Co- like Dan Gilbert. It's it's all of them at this point. Okay. Because, like, uh, no matter what is ever said, like, LeBron probably had a little bit of say in Kyrie going, and he probably had say in which player was coming back. Yeah. So there's, like, kind of an account- accountability for it. Yeah. I mean, to me, it just, 
it's maybe it's all Dan Gilbert and his little man syndrome. <laughs> I, that's I think, that's kind I think of un, it's Dan Gilbert. Un, unprofessional to say that, but he just seems to have an obsession with short point guards. And I think you have to be, you have to play four really good defenders with Isaiah Thomas for him to be effective. And you have to kind of run that offense like Philly did for Allen Iverson, where he just, you let him run everything and then do that. And Brad Stevens was a good enough coach to get away with it, but the Celtics or the Cavs aren't. So, and they don't run any plays and, you know, they don't have any sets that kind of make sense. And they don't, I mean, they kept saying about how we don't practice, but the Cavs have practiced more in the, I think I saw a stat today that they practiced more in the last month than they have in any months this season. So, yeah. Uh, one other note um, regarding Isaiah, like you pointed out, when he was in Boston, it was him and four good defenders, and it was basically his offensive game. I mean, but Lou doesn't even stagger LeBron and IT. IT and LeBron, whenever IT's on the court, LeBron's on the court. And he doesn't really get a chance to, like, have his own unit and just basically chuck shots. Yeah. And I and think that's a mistake. Yeah, I do, too. Um, then along with that, I mean, I, we did see a little bit of Derrick Rose and Isaiah Thomas, uh, backcourt the other night, which I thought would be an abject disaster. Um, but, but it wasn't. So I'm, I'm a little surprised. So I, <laughs> did you watch any of that lineup, David? And any thoughts? Like, were you surprised that that it wasn't terrible against Oklahoma City, or was it just that that was the lull in the scoring onslaught by the Thunder? Um, I kind of half watched that game. I got really frustrated early on. I don't so know I, why. I've just, uh, I won't subject myself to it sometimes. If I don't have to, but I didn't pay enough attention to actually say anything about that lineup. Although I would agree that I think it'd be a disaster. Oh, yeah, I mean it was it was was it was not pretty. So, um but let's let's I guess move on from the game a little bit unless is there anything either of you guys want to point out about the game today uh that that you really stood out for you or did we kind of cover it? I think we did pretty good. I mean, after watching it today, I think I would have rather traded uh Kyrie to the Spurs for the Junior said Murray and a couple first round picks and what we got. Well, I mean it, it remains to be seen what they get with that Brooklyn pick, so we'll see. Uh but yeah, and you know, the other part of that is I don't know if anybody trusts the Cavs to make a good decision with the draft. So because they haven't, you know, outside of LeBron, they haven't really drafted and Kyrie, they haven't really drafted well. Maybe Chetty Osman. Let's hope. Let's hope they did well there. So, um, but you know, moving on. Well, so- one thing about that actually. So I was thinking. I was thinking about this today. With uh, if we had somehow tr- traded Wiggins, or I mean, uh, Dion Waiters and Bennett instead of Wiggins and kept him, do you think this team would be significantly better? And I don't think it would be actually. Hmm. I, I, that's a. It's so hard to say. I mean, 
I'd have more hope for the future of the team, I guess. But you also, the other part of that is they got Shumpert and Isaiah Thomas, or not Isaiah Thomas, J.R. Smith for, you know, two seasons or a season and a half, and they were really good, and and Mozgov. So they made two straight finals and won one of them off that trade with, you know, Deion Waiters. Waiters. I I don't think they would have won a championship with... uh, so I'm 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 not gonna you know look that trade too hard. It worked out. I I and I can't see them having done that with uh, Wiggins because he would have been too young. Anyway, so speaking of trades, um, so George Hill rumored to the Cavs, rumored that it's you know on the one line one yard line the the Kings may have to clear out some roster spots, maybe get a second round pick out there. But from everything I heard, it's basically a salary dump by the Kings, and the Cavs are going to get out get him without giving up a first round pick, which I think is fantastic. Um, George Hill, where do you see him fitting on this team, Eli? Um, I think he's going to start out as the third guard, probably cut into Derrick Rose's minutes, unless Derrick Rose actually might be involved in the trade, possibly, which I would personally drive Derrick Rose to the airport if that happens. Uh, but uh, I think he would fit in as the third guard, and he'd, have, he'd probably play like 30 minutes a night. Um, I, th- I hope he would cut into JR's minutes and IT's minutes. And I think that would be an upgrade, even though I think due to his age and his kind of toe injury, I think that people talk about his defensive impact has been um, slowly deteriorating. Uh, I, but I do think because of his length and his, you know, his basketball IQ, he would be an upgrade over IT and JR for sure. Well, he's also shooting like 45%, which doesn't hurt at all from three. So, um, so go into that toe injury because I wasn't aware of that. So I think he had a like a toe injury when he was with Utah last season, and before that, when he was with like the Pacers, um, you know, he was part of the teams that met. I think he was infamously traded for Kawhi Leonard from the Spurs, um, but uh, you know, he was part of those Pacers teams that were defensively great with uh, David West and Roy Hibbert, but he was always the, you know, the long, lengthy point guard that could uh, recover quick enough. And I think with his age and that toe injury, people are saying that that's what's uh, slowing him down and he can't move as laterally as quickly uh, to defend at this point in his age. Well, I was impressed with his defense when he played the Cavs, and I did not see any problems and a lot of it, you know, I've heard that explanation. I've also heard, well, yeah, it's the Kings. They're crappy. (laughs) So it could could be one of the two. Um, Oh, I love George Hill. (laughs) Welcome back to Cavs podcast. (laughs) We got uh, my timing was off there. Tom Tom Fastak joining us. Uh, So, so Tom, uh, Eli was talking a little bit about George Hill's toe injury from last year, which the rumor is has robbed him a little bit of his defensive effectiveness. But oh, that, great. 
that aside, uh, what are your thoughts on George Hill and how he fits on this team? I mean, the old George <laughs> Hill without a bad toe fits well because um, he's an excellent spot-up three-point shooter. <clears throat> he's a steady, lowish turnover point guard that defends well. So um, on many teams, that would be he's maybe a little bit limiting as a point guard because he's not a uh, drive and kick, you know, I'm going to score first if need be kind of point guard. He's not like a devastating, like pick and roll point guard. Um, he's, he's in the Mario Chalmers mode. Yeah. And I think to that, me, I think that fits with what a LeBron James team kind of needs at point guard. Yeah. And to me, he's a better version of Mario Chalmers. And the other thing that I think is great about him is you and I talked a lot about this, uh, you know, a few years ago with Delhi is the Cavs need guys who don't have to have high usages to be great yeah. to play around, yeah. you know, LeBron and love. And he, to me, he's a perfect fit in that regard. And the fact he can play both guard spots, um, you know, he's a pretty good defender, not a guy who turns it over a lot. I think he's just a totally natural fit. Yeah, and the more we're talking, the more I think the Cavs shouldn't do it because you and me are both on the same page that he'd be a great fit. So that should be our first clue that it's totally <laughs> going to end spectacularly bad because you know who's a great fit, Nate? It's Jay Crowder. Like, what yeah. is going on? Hey, he had a nice game tonight. Oh, good. Glad to hear that. Like, so the season's on the up and up then. Hey. Because he's yeah. been absolutely putrid. And I remember just thinking, like, hey, our defense is going to get way better because we're going to have Jay Crowder. And it's like we are now the worst defensive team in the league uh, after, to after tonight. Well, to me, I don't think you can take, you know, so my takeaway with the Cavs is, the Cavs are so demoralized defensively by playing with Isaiah Thomas that you can't take anything else the other four guys do seriously because it, they've already lost. They're already playing four on five uh, with eighth grade girls starting center Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> oh, oh, zing. <laughs> ESPNW is going to uh, come after you, Nate. Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I hate to, like, say this whole thing is about Thomas or it's about Thomas and Thompson or it's about Teron Lu won't play Channing Fry, but that that stuff isn't helping. I know that. Um, so I have a question for the Korean Channing Fry. How do you feel about the real Channing Fry potentially getting shipped out for George Hill? To be honest, it's... Uh... It's devastating because I know he's going to get bought out and he's going to join a contender. And oh no, don't say it. He's probably going to destroy us. Well, but, he's not well no, he's, he's going to destroy whoever beats the Cavs. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But on a on a more serious note, I think it's just so frustrating that he was credited with kind of making the locker room a much better place yeah. when we won the title. Yeah, and then he was. you know he's the first per he's the second guy we're going to ship out him and RJ. Yeah, that were true locker room guys, and it's like, okay, we know the problem is the locker room like really sucks right now. Yeah, so let's get brought in guys that made it great. Two guys that don't seem to be helping the locker room. I don't know about Jeff Green or D Wade. I mean, I don't know. D Wade wasn't a great locker room presence last year in Chicago, but clearly, you know, Crowder's not making it better and it, Isaiah Thomas, you know, I don't know. I, I, I think thing, things could get worse. I mean, Thomas is 
right now what's going on, he is potentially uh, losing tens of millions of dollars because he hasn't made a lot of money in the NBA. Um, you know, he felt like he was a max contract player. The market isn't what it was two years ago, so the timing is bad to begin with. But if he was still like a 30-point-a-game efficient scorer, someone might give him, you know, kind of a sick long-term deal. But he looks so bad right now and so broken. And every time he goes out there and he's just part of this dumpster fire, I don't know. I mean, he could yeah. be, he could be like, so imagine that. Like, not only is just the team not good and playing poorly, but you got a guy now who's mentally thinking like, oh my gosh, like every time we struggle and I'm out there, like he could be pressing at this point, like just trying to do too much. Could the be. Other um, thing with- could be he's got a 30% usage. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, and, you know, Teron Lu said the thing about agendas uh, a week or two ago, and everyone was kind of like, agendas? What agendas? But it's like, look, no. There, I mean, not saying that you guys are all, like, evil, you know, cretins, but it's like LeBron's got an agenda, and Isaiah Thomas' contract year definitely has an agenda. I mean, it just he wants to get paid. And right now, I mean, it does really look like, Danny Ainge, you know, they the Celtics knew something that or knew more than we knew or whatever, but um boy did they did they look like they kind of fleeced us. And it didn't seem like that at the time. It didn't feel like a good trade, but now you're just looking and it's like they built this team, they get in Kyrie Irving to play defense, and the Cavs can't beat anyone. I mean they're yeah, lucky to beat yeah. the Magic. So yeah, at we home. we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier. Um but yeah, to me, that hip injury uh, probably cost him a hundred million dollars. I mean, to Oof. me, to me, it looks like he had the hip injury. He should, first of all, he should have shut it down last spring when the Celtics found it. I feel like he may, he could possibly have a malpractice suit against the uh, against the Celtics sports medicine department. Beyond that. Um, it looks like he should have probably elected for surgery, but did not want to elect for surgery because he wanted to get the money. And yeah, he's probably going to lose out on a big contract. And, you know, but I said this in my article the other day, that's not the Cavs problem. And the, the longer the Cavs kind of, you know, indulge this fantasy that he's a good player, it can be a good player, the more they're going to lose. I mean, it was so obvious, and I don't know if it was obvious to you, Eli, and I don't know if David's back on the call, but um, it was so obvious that they had no shot when Isaiah Thomas came back in. Like, they were down by, like, six or seven, and then I the starters came back in with Isaiah Thomas, like, oh, it's over. They can't win with him. He's he's so bad. He's got a net rating of, you know, in the of, like, 24, negative. <laughs> for 100 possessions yeah. it's just not going to happen ever <laughs> yeah so i just wanted to add two quick notes on it so the celtics like medical staff all got fired this off season which is a little shady but we still did the deal and the other thing is it he can't get a max contract from anywhere because there's only like four teams with max contract space the lakers are one they already have their point guard and the other two are like the Magic and like the Bulls, and the Bulls have like Zach Levine, and there's just no way they're going to pay. No team outside the Cavs can 
probably give him that max deal or have no, a rationale. He, he's not getting a max deal. It's over. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, maybe what can happen is he can go to a team that has his bird rights and, you know, he can get like a one-year, you know, $10 million contract with a team option for a second year or something. That's probably the best he could do at this point. I mean, he just... He was the victim of bad timing and a bad injury, and he should not have been playing last fall. Did I just hear like a or Star Trek whoop whoop? Like so, the Klingons yeah. just decloaked. Yeah, the Klingons effect. did decloak. Um, it actually <laughs> has to do with um, my. <laughs> it's my work page. So um, when my work page goes off. Uh, that is a sound that it makes so that I can, uh, get up and get it. It's called klaxons. And it is, yes, the sound of the Klingons decloaking and also the dive when the submarine dives in the submarine movies. So <laughs> dive, dive. <laughs> so right. that, that's it. your, your movie tonight is Das Nate. <laughs> so, um, uh, David, are you there? Yeah, I'm back. I've been so, back for a minute. So, uh, David, give me your take on... Uh, there goes the clock. <laughs> David, give me your take on... I feel like it's like the Cavs defense of the sub, and there's like a leak in the hole. <laughs> Torpedo alert! Torpedo alert! It's, like for we have a nu- it's a nuclear sub, so now we have radiation. <laughs> Tyler's face is starting to melt. Uh, from yeah, the so so clearly the sinking ship will be the theme of this podcast. But uh, yeah, David, uh, give me a uh, and and Tom, I got to step away for a minute. But give me the uh, give me your take on George Hill, David. Uh, I think he'll be really solid on the team, if only because he's coming from the outside on a team that's in a worse position than us. He's going to be excited to be playing. And the Cavs, if they're smart, will actually hopefully use him with the starters and replace J.R. Smith. And then as far as, like, second units go, I think they could run some interesting stuff with Hill. If you put, like, Hill, Corver, LeBron, Green, and Wade out there, like, that's a pretty switchable group that's fairly modern and can get up and down the floor. Um, I haven't really watched much Kings this year, but the few games I've seen, George Hill seems like he's still trying hard and he can hit an open three which is nice and when he was on the Pacers he never really dominated the ball um, which is something we definitely need to have with LeBron and Love out there yeah I mean I'm just bummed that Nate's saying he has uh, he's damaged goods now apparently got a bad toe or something yeah but at least he's above six feet Damage George Hill is going to be better than IT right well, now. Well, that's a good point, right? Yeah, and because, he's still I mean, shooting 46% from three. So Yeah, and it's like, I mean, honestly, you look at how serviceable Jose Calderon has been. Man, two or three years ago, I was saying, well, it was a nice career, you know, but you're done. And, like, he's been way better than, uh, you know, what they've had with IT and at times with Rose. Yeah, ugh. Well, it's any yeah. guy that can play off the ball or doesn't need to dominate the ball does pretty good with LeBron. Which I thought Especially Thomas would fit because yeah. Thomas can play off the ball and he can shoot. But right now his shot's kind of broken, so he's just kind of trying to create off the dribble, and uh, it's just a it's a train wreck. And 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 possibly LeBron's worst 
pass tonight came on um he was at the top of the key and Isaiah Thomas tried to like backdoor DeJounte Murray and like LeBron tried to there's no way you can throw a lob pass to Isaiah Thomas and DeJounte Murray is like six five. And it was just like the most ill conceived idea to just throw him a, a backdoor cut pass. <laughs> and of course, predictably it was stolen and led to a a bucket for the Spurs, but it's just like you know, yeah, he's a tough guy. I just don't think he fits with LeBron at all. Like even yeah. less than Kyrie did. And you know, and they did the year turn my turn thing. But but Kyrie at least you know he was kind of devast- he's such a good shooter and a good cutter and finisher that he was devastating off the ball. It's just he didn't want to be off the ball. He wanted the ball in yeah. his hands. But right. But it wasn't you know Kyrie's off the ball skills that made him a mess. It was the fact that he wanted to dribble around for you know fifteen seconds every possession sometimes. So, but you know it worked out in terms of a championship. So, um, in terms of, so we talked a little bit, everybody gave their take on, you know, I think we were all unanimous that Ty Lu, um, the, the choices were, is he incompetent? He's being forced to use these rotations or is he trying to get fired? And so I think we had two incompetents and one trying to get fired were the, uh, were the results of our poll. Uh, what, what's your, what's your gut on that, Tom? I think he is who we. I mean, he is who I thought he was. I mean, I Dennis Green, R.I.P. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because in Game Seven of you know the NBA Finals, I'm watching like Mo Williams get minutes. I'm watching Shumpert, you know, out there guarding. I mean, you're in a situation where basically you're up four points, and all you want to do is not foul uh, on a three. And so you want like intelligent players out there defending and out of a timeout, Shumpert's guarding Steph Curry. So moments before my, you know, 30 plus year frustration was lifted and I was elated to be a part of a city of champions again, I'm screaming at the TV. Why is Shumpert out there? Like I was convinced he was going <laughs> to like bite on pump fake foul Curry. He was going to hit some three and it was going to become the most Cleveland moment like of all time. It didn't happen. He actually played good defense, but it's just like he is an older school like coach in the Doc Rivers mold from the standpoint of he cares about like names and reputations and where he thinks he might have a matchup advantage. The Cavs have never had an identity, not to no. say they had one under David Blatt either. So it could be a LeBron issue, really, but they've never had an identity. I'm just watching how teams with coaches with strong identities, uh, I don't know. They just, they have such a larger margin for error. Like I'll even say this about Mike Brown. Like he took teams that had limitations and they played strong enough defense and rebounded well enough to give them a chance. The Cavs don't, they're not even giving themselves a chance in any of these games. No. And it's kind of like, well, maybe Ty lose the coach you want when, you know, you're, you're in a series with the Warriors and it's game seven and there's no X's and O's that are going to help you at this point. Yeah, you just need Maybe motivation. you need a guy like yeah. that to just tell LeBron, Hey, a bunch of explicatives. Hey, 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 you know, and get your head out of your butt or whatever. I don't know. I mean, I've never understood, you know, because whenever they have these coaches mic'd up, especially Doc Rivers, because I always remember every time Doc Rivers was mic'd up, 
I was like, this is the most remedial, trite, like, sound bites <laughs> I've ever heard. Like, is this really the job of an NBA coach? To be yeah, like, all right, then, guys. And then, of course, like, you know, worse. Keep, keep trying hard, guys. You know, it's like, wow, that's it. Yeah, wow. Tyloo's were just like be aggressive to like whoever he was talking to, and yeah. maybe that's maybe that game time. That's what you do. You don't try to, yeah. You, know, you don't try to change your stripes like mid game. I don't know, but and no, I don't know and, and the Cavs have adopted his personality in general with you know their general passivity, their you know kind of disorganized defense at times, their you know lack of playing any semblance of you know, analytically and, you know, new era of basketball kind of decision-making. You know, we had that game the other day where Dwayne Wade just stopped and popped <laughs> like five seconds into the shot clock from the elbow. And it's like, why are you doing that? It's like literally the worst shot you could take. <laughs> well, this is why, like, I feel in a lot of ways, like many former players have this when they become coaches they carry this former player sort of baggage with them that they can't unlearn. So I'll just give you an example. Like I am 100 because Ty Lue's a young guy. I am like 100% convinced that Ty Lue like thought Delhi was trash. I mean, I totally believe that because he felt like, dude, if I was ever on the playground playing against this guy, I would, you know, put the ball through his legs, pull his pants down and dunk on his face. And I would just, this guy would, quit basketball forever because I'd embarrass him so much. He saw a herky-jerky awkward guy that to him didn't exude any sort of like real basketball skills. Same thing that a lot of fans, you know, would say to disparage Delhi, and could not see that, hey, even though this guy might be individually limited and even though he looks real awkward, look at what the effect he has on the rest of the guys on the court. Look at LeBron James plus minus goes through the roof when Delhi's on the court. Um, and I've got a thousand minutes of a lineup without Delhi, and then 500 minutes of that same lineup with Delhi. One lineup is outscoring teams by like a point per 48 minutes, and the Delhi lineup's outscoring teams by 25 points or something insane for 48 minutes. Oh yeah, so well, it's, it's just the like same thing. A coach Channing, like a coach Channing like this season, <laughs> but a coach like um, a coach like Eric Spolstra or a coach like you, you know Popovich or a coach like. Uh, Brad Stevens, um, Steve coach Kerr. like Rick Carlisle, Steve Kerr, those coaches would like recognize that and they would, they would squeeze more juice out of that lemon. And I feel like the Cavs were always looking for, it was almost like, well, we got to play Delhi because he's our backup. And it's just like, why don't you try to run plays where LeBron is off the ball? And they did it for like one quarter against the Raptors in the playoffs. They scored on 14 <laughs> straight possessions, and then they just decided that was it. We're like, we're done. We don't ever need to try that experiment again. Like, and then Delhi stopped playing because he had one or two games in the first two games in the finals where the Cavs just sucked so, in general. Tom, we have and he heard didn't this do anything. rant every other month for the last two years. I know, but my point is like this is a time. <laughs> so I look like, forward to the Cavs, hearing this. But think for about the next who the Cavs coaching staff is. The Cavs coaching staff is they got Teron Lou who not that long ago uh, was a, a well, player. So, in so the, the irony they have, they have... of Teron Liu is he was a Delhi-like player. You know, he was a guy whose calling card was defense. He was kind of a herky-jerky. I'm going to get in your face. I'm going to, you know, do what it takes to win. And well, that's that fine. Him and he's got Billy, 
Then he's got Billy Bean syndrome, and he doesn't want to play guys that look like him. I don't know. But you could just see he never had trust, and the second he lost trust, his trust was put in Mo Williams, a guy that was objectively (laughs) awful every time he stepped on the court throughout the entire season. Here's my question. Are are you like is this Tom Pestek or is this the Tom Pestek bot where we push the button and we get like the thing from <laughs> a tie loose says <laughs> no it's just so when you say like analytically okay. I think probably the Cavs analytics staff is good and they know what they the, know you think they and hate Ty Lue I think they hate Ty Lue because I think there's tension between every analytics staff and front office except for probably. Daryl Morey. I, I think I, I he's would, the one that's just yeah, and maybe, like give me give me everything and I'll do it. Yeah, and, and maybe I'll... um maybe Memphis <laughs> since they fired Fisdale. Yeah. So um so what I was gonna say to me one of the most telling moments of the season about that was the game where LeBron was minus thirty nine and they asked LeBron you know oh, yeah. minus thirty nine he's like don't tell me about no damn plus minus or whatever he said yeah yeah I had right. a negative plus minus once and we lost or and we won what does that tell you <laughs> like, right, well it right. tells you that your teammates picked you up and were you had your back that's what it tells you yeah. <laughs> and it's like. To me, it would be obvious what it told you, but, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, the Cavs just don't seem to believe in any kind of plus-minus analytics. Uh, so, yeah. To me, it's as long as Isaiah Thomas is on this team and Ty Lue is coaching, they're hopeless. <laughs> so, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, all I can say is, you know, Ty Lue won a championship. You can't take that away from him. No, and you can't when he took over us. for David Blatt and the whole thing was like, well, the Cavs aren't defending well enough. So we got rid of Blatt and they're not having enough joy. And it's like, well, guess what? They didn't get happier and their defense got way worse. So yeah. it didn't make any sense to me. That first season, I was never able to figure out. Like, what is it that Ty Lue is doing? And they won a championship. So it's kind of so, like, okay. So David and Eli, <laughs> I actually didn't have Tom on this podcast. I just remixed old podcasts, and I'm just playing <laughs> this stuff again. <laughs> I mean, I I'm, believe I'm it. I'm busting your chops, Tom. <laughs> so so uh. let's let's move on <laughs> a little bit. Uh, not, I just feel like we got an auto. The the ship is uh, torpedo alert here. <laughs> Do I need to play the klaxon? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. So, um, can you believe about that? What's the guy's name? What do you think about the Merrick Garland situation? Do you think Obama will be able to get him into uh, what the Supreme Court? <laughs> oh, <Jesus. laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> so, so I guess we should all talk about uh, the players-only meeting from yesterday. I don't know how averse you are in that, Tom, but tensions yeah, were burst. running high last night uh, in the Twitterverse, in the emails, in the live threads. Um, I'm I'm gonna give kind of my take on it first. Um, I actually think the players-only meeting was. The best thing that could have happened to the Cavs. Um, you know, you need to get pested each other a little bit. I don't really care if people are calling out Kevin Love and being jerks about him being sick, whatever. Um, you know, I am a jerk to people I'm in my family with all the time and I'm 
fortunate enough that they love me enough to know I'm just blowing off steam and I'll get over it. But the fact that it got out to the media is is my big, you know, beef. I actually, you know, you're embarrassing Kevin and you're embarrassing the people that called him out. And then supposedly uh, Ty Lu or not Ty Lu, uh, Isaiah Thomas was the one that called it the elephant in the room that, you know, Kevin loved quitting the other day, um, which my wife saw him tonight and she goes, oh, he still looks sick. He looks terrible. So I don't know what that means. And my wife watches every move he makes and like literally her, her eyes are glued to him every second he's on the TV. So she would know. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's my like. Take. I'm sure I've, Kevin loves over it. So I'm going to cut point. you he's off, dealt- Tom, and ask David what he thinks. Cause, oh, wow. No, just because you, um, you've kind of had the floor for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't, I didn't think about it in the terms of them leaking it as much as you did. But now that you say that, that is kind of messed up that it came out. Because this is something we probably should have heard about like after we won the title this year. Something that's like a turning point. But it does make me really angry that they're going after Kevin Love. Like, Kevin Love just gets crapped on constantly. And I don't think he's the problem at all right now. Like, his defense isn't great, but he tries at least. And, he's and boxing that's not out. what kind of player he is. Yeah. You know. <laughs> he gets, like, and the worst thing, too, about this is the Cavs hang him out the dry on defense so much by just not rotating back to their guy. Right. Like, his stats are so messed up just because no one helped him out. Like he'll come over and try to stop IT's guy who just walked by him or took a screen. And then his man's just standing there getting the put back, which yeah, I'm sure or, makes his numbers look bad. Or LeBron, like so many times this year, just picks the absolute wrong thing to do on the weak side. <laughs> like he'll, yeah. you know, like if he's, instead of giving up the layup, he goes out for three or instead of going out for three, he gives up the layup. It's like, you know, he just, his, and most of it's because, like, which is the easier option? I'm going to take that option because I'm lazy. But yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's pretty pretty bad. So, what about you, Eli? What's your? Uh, I know you were you were livid last night. Yeah, I think um, like David, I, I'm totally pissed that they're picking on Kevin Love. He's been the most professional dude on the team since you know this whole LeBron thing. Uh, started again three and a half years ago and it's just if i mean people are saying if he, they were in kevin Love's position they would ask for a trade out and i wouldn't have um any objection to why he would feel that way i mean it's it's beyond ridiculous the kind of drama he's going through and a lot of people are pointing to how bosh went through something similar but i don't think it was ever this bad for chris bosh with the miami heat and um do you really it's, believe it's that crazy. narrative? That like to me, it's like the whole narrative is kind of ridiculous. Like, I think I think they legit someone legitimately leaked it. And I I can kind of see the uh, it leaking it because of the uh, documentary with him on and woes like talking on the reg. So it's not like too out of you know reality to you know think that that's a possibility and. It just pit if if it's actually true that it's Isaiah Thomas that you know lit into Kevin Love, then I just can't even deal with it. I would trade him, like you said, as the salary cap filler to the Kings. I mean, he's not only just ruining it on the court, but he's also ruining it in the locker room. Then, 
Okay, Tom, you can talk now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Smoke rises from Rome. The new pope is put in. What do you think about this Francis guy? No. Back to 20, back to, back to 2018. <laughs> I can tell my gutter bot 3000 story. You, you need to, you this. need to, uh, use the Stephen Hawking voice and then we'll, then we'll really know it's a canned podcast. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I appreciate uh, Eli's take there. I mean, I don't know that you can just use Isaiah Thomas as a throw-in at that point. But, um, yeah, I think it's totally makes sense that uh, Wadge, who's been shut out from everything Cavs-related for four years now, suddenly is, like, on TV. Like, suddenly I'm listening to him on Wingo and Mike, and I'm watching him on reading his articles. It's like, oh, all of a sudden, Waj knows everything going on in the Cavs locker room again. Like, that's kind of funny. And, of course, you know, he's always as eager as, you know, anyone to paint the Cavs in a bad light. I mean, he just hates the Cavs. And he used to hate LeBron, and he's kind of at a point now where he doesn't really have the ability to do that anymore. And so now he just turns his eye on Dan Gilbert, who he's always despised. And so it's like, you know what? Waj just loves that juicy crap. Um, you know, for, for a guy that, you know, has made his bread and butter on breaking stories, man, his favorite thing to do is just write like basically TMZ ish pieces. And it's, I, it's unbecoming. And like, I'm actually glad the guy blocked me now just because I retweeted one of his tweets because like, I, I mean, I just, I have absolutely no respect for this dude. Like he goes on TV all clean cut with his, you know, glasses acting like he's this super, objective it's like dude whatever you're, you're like you're just terrible you're awful you're awful well, i hope you're listening and <laughs> block me twice if you can i'm not even on twitter any, i mean i don't use twitter so whatever but as far as like what's smoking what actually matters in this case oh, i mean t- that, i don't the, think the sound means you're done <laughs> <laughs> I'm just uh, so perfect. <laughs> perfect. I mean, I don't know, man. Like, I'm. I, I don't want to get too caught up in oh, the Cavs suck again at a certain point in the season because you know people going on tonight about like I can't believe the Cavs are losing to like the Spurs bench plus Lamarcus Aldridge. It's like, well, let me take you back. Well, go back to the uh, canned podcast. So <laughs> last year, last year in April. When the Cavs lost to the Hawks bench <laughs> in April. Yeah. I mean, at that time, I was just like, well, they're not going to win a game in the playoffs because this is who they are and they're terrible. And, well, and they the other part of that won their first eight games. And is, it's just is like, take okay. you back to the Spurs against Miami when, you know, Pop rested the big three and almost beat them. His big three oh, yeah, almost yeah. beat them. So. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't, Pop doesn't yeah. get phased by like his yeah. stars are out. Yeah, that's part of like regular season. Yeah, that's just part of when you have a strong identity as a coach. You know, you can you can scheme, and you know, you guys know where they're supposed to be, and guys pick up the slack. And yeah, that is not who the Cavs are, man. I mean, no, no, they do they... not deal well with um, adversity and changes and lineup changes, and everything seems to throw them in the no, flux. And, I, and mean, I like what you said about Wadge too. In that, I was thinking about this today. It's like. This the Cavs have become, you know, and sports in general has kind of become us weekly for men. You oh, know what it, I mean? Has. Like, yes, like everybody's has. like, what's the deal with Tom Brady and his guru and 
Uh, oh, yeah. And, and this is kind of the stock in trade that we're seeing from ESPN right now. And what was it uh, a couple of weeks ago when uh, oh, Carlisle got all ticked at them about... Oh, that was over the... Uh... Um, the Lamar, the, the LeVar Ball thing. The LeVar Ball stuff. And yeah. it's like, I just felt, feel like. He felt yeah. like it was unfair that ESPN, like, reported the story the way they did about, yeah. you know, kind of like. I think he thought it was unfair that they literally have reporters falling the balls around Europe. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, yeah, I mean, it's fine. I mean. Yeah, but I, I mean, I, I, mean, I, I kind of agree. Totally and, then, and then there were all these, like, and then there were all these, like, you know purist journalist types going on about oh so like we're not allowed to we're not allowed to report things you don't like like we're now we're living in this fascist you know it's like shut up like you you know lavar ball's an idiot like you don't need to <laughs> report this kind of crap or at the very least you know you can frame it such as lavar ball the idiot we all know said x and <laughs> you probably shouldn't read too much into it and the lakers yeah. probably won't fire the coach and you know what I mean? It's like instead they just report it like it it's so meaningful. And I think that's part of also what Carlisle was upset about. I don't know. I don't know. Play me <laughs> off again. Give me the sub sound. Woot, woot, woot. There we go. <laughs> you know what I need? You know what I need? I need the uh, the theme music from Star Trek when the Klingons on pro uncloak like da na 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 Okay. So, David... I mean, anything we're going to take away further from this uh, idea on the Cavs team meeting, I'm ready to let it blow over. I don't think it's as big of a deal as, as some other people have. But, yeah, I was as worked up as everyone else last night. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, superior troll job by Watch. Sorry, David. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> superior. I just thought uh, all I want from the team is for them to, like, like right now, they look how I feel watching the games. Like I don't want to <laughs> yeah. watch the games. Yeah, they look. I don't think they, they want to really be there. Watch them. Like I just want to see that attitude change a little bit, and I'd be happy. Yeah. Otherwise, and, I'm I'm down to watch the ship like kind of burn and whatever. We had our run. And yeah, we got our one. I'm happy. Yeah. So yeah. so in keeping with that, what should the Cavs do? You know, they have two draft picks this year. Should the Cavs be trying to contend this year, or is it done? I Okay, so this is like, I was thinking about this today, actually. The Cavs are messing up in the same ways they messed up before LeBron left for the first time. And it was, they didn't want to build the team patiently. They just always were trying to make a quick move to fix whatever and, like, get the title. And at this point, I think... Like, obviously, we can't go back in time, but they should just keep the draft picks, keep uh, Jetty, and just try to slowly bring in younger pieces. LeBron's, I, I think, unless we win a title, that's the only thing that will influence LeBron's mind. Like, he's decided already if he's going to go or stay. So just build the team how you're going to do it. And be smart about it. Be, like, sustainable for once. Well... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I would, I'd, I'd, I've had so many mixed thoughts about this. I, I loved, I, I don't think I invented this line, but I've definitely parroted it in the comments repeatedly. There is no after LeBron. 
And like I, I was um, actually reorganizing, getting rid of a bunch of clothes, taking them to Goodwill, and I was um, looking through, and I have like a thousand Cavs t-shirts, and I have one LeBron t-shirt, and I just realized like I was a Cavs fan long before LeBron, you know, became a basketball player, and I'm going to be a Cavs fan long after LeBron is retired. There is an after LeBron, you know. It's it's not the same, you know. I mean, LeBron is obviously the most important Cav ever, but you 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 do have to realize that the organization is not just going to like fold up shop um, when LeBron retires. So if you're seriously you know concerned that he might leave, you, you got to think about you got to have like a bit of an exit strategy. So I'm with you in that sense. Um, I also don't know that LeBron knows right now what he's going to do. I think um, I think it probably depends on all kinds of things. Oh, and I, I mean, think it's maybe... January. LeBron isn't even in his right mind until March anyway. <laughs> yeah, you know. and, and also and also, it's like maybe he was thinking like, oh, the Lakers, that'd be kind of interesting. And now he's like, oh, yeah, they're a train wreck, so no thanks. Um, I don't know. I don't know what he's thinking. But I guess, you know, the, the one pause I have about like, okay, just get ready to rebuild is, I mean, the Cavs did that after LeBron left. They weren't any good until LeBron came back. It's not like, oh, no, but we, like, drafted Tristan Thompson. It's like, okay, and now we're trying to get rid of him. And it's like, oh, we drafted Kyrie Irving. He was always a malcontent. We were always frustrated with him. And we let him go for not a lot because, I don't know, I mean, we thought he was really overrated. And we got rid of Deion Waiters. And it's like the Cavs have never really shown that they're they're that great at drafting or necessarily, you know, growing young players into better players. So the idea of that, like, I mean, we're going to do that again it's sort of like I don't know, man. It does it does stink having an old team that doesn't seem that interested in playing good. But man, I remember those other days, and those weren't those weren't that fun either. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just talking, <laughs> Eli. You know, I think if anything, we if there is a right deal, you got to go all in, and I'd rather be as close to a championship as possible with LeBron because it's not a given that we'll ever get to this point again. Right. So I mean, it's only been 52 years, right? Like that's, that's what yeah. we're, that's what we're basing this off of. And we're blessed that, you know, we live at the right time to witness this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think the worst thing the Cavs could do is to trade the pick and it not be a great move. I mean, like if they traded the pick for like, Baysmore and Deadman, the Nets pick for that, like that'd be the wor- absolute worst thing they could do. Yeah, um, I think the best thing they could do is like if they could somehow get like Boogie or AD or Paul George, and it's worth that. And then it's worth the Brooklyn pick. And if you know well, LeBron leaves, but still, they're not getting any of those guys. Like none of those guys are available and aren't going to be available. Well, we don't know that for sure yet. I mean, Kawhi might be asking out too, so that's so. BS. I don't know, but it, okay. If there, if <laughs> and we just players... talked about how Lamarcus Aldridge came to Pop and said, "Trade me," and they said no. It, how is Kawhi Leonard, who's less vocal than Marcus Aldridge, going to be any different? Like, I well, just okay. think these are all fantasies. And yeah, I, but <laughs> sorry, go ahead. And, sorry. I, I, no, and, I, and I'm not trying to rag on you or anything. It's just no, no, no. no. I, I completely understand. I'm saying if those trades don't come to fruition, then obviously don't just 
throw the pick and try to get like DeAndre Jordan and Lou Williams. I mean, that's the worst thing you could do. And, you know, sitting pat and just having a mindset of saying we're not trading the pick no matter what is also not the right approach either because that's not going to show good faith to keeping LeBron. So, I mean, I'm torn, but just because they have to be smart. I mean, and that's something the Cavs organization has not done. So I am nervous that no matter what happens, the results aren't going to be favorable for Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there isn't a lot of faith in the org right now. That's for sure. And and there's definitely, yeah, that's, I mean, no matter what the Cavs do, it feels like maybe they're going to zig when they should zag. But uh, I, I kind of take, so I wrote about this on Saturday a little bit, but I take, you know, Jeff Nomina from Dove UFNY had a really good, you know, five minute little short movie about how, you know, keeping the next pick and trying to draft a really impact player with that draft pick, um, is one of the better things that they could do, um, to keep LeBron because, you know, it keeps the focus on, you know, we have a long-term commitment to winning instead of we're just going to, you know, jury rig this thing every year. Um, you know, and you try to move your picks and your assets for guys that you can control on longer term deals and kind of build a sustainable, okay, this isn't LeBron, you know, Jordan was winning championships when he was 35, 36. This is kind of the model that we want to go after. We want to pitch you on a long term deal and that we're going to have sustained success over the next few years. Can you, can you sign up for this? Uh, rather than, you know, we're going to go all in this year and then, oh, everybody's a free agent. One guy decides he's going to leave and then now, oh, okay, well, yeah, this isn't going to work, but we'll see everybody later. I, I think a lot, you know, building the path to a sustainable future while competing over the next few years is the way that you need to go. And I don't think it's an impossible task to hey. do it. Oh no, we reached critical hole integrity. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's Maximum the thing, though. Death. The thing is, the Cavs were on, like, a good path of long-term. Sorry, I was a little slow there. <laughs> that's the thing, though. The Cavs were on, like, a longer-term view with Kyrie and Kevin Love locked up after LeBron's contract. And they had, you know, some flexibility with that with a couple of draft picks, but now they kind of – put themselves in a corner by trading away the, the piece that was going to be here the longest. Yeah. 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 Well, and then the, the other side of that being, you know, the price of keeping LeBron was paying his boys off in, um, that, you know, Tristan Thompson and J.R. Smith. And, you know, that has hamstrung the Cavs now. And then you see the other side at, whereas they didn't give money to Delhi and they, you know, they hitched their wagon to Shump and, they didn't sign JR to a longer term deal when they could have. So it's like, you know, and the Cavs got a championship out of it. So it's hard to second guess anything, but, but boy, some of those contracts, I'm sure they'd love to have back. So, um, so do you think the Cavs are making a move this year? Uh, David, is there any other moves you'd like to see the Cavs make aside from this George Hill deal, which we beat into the ground? I want, I want him to get Tyson Chandler really badly. Just oh. now we've now we're pre bit canning our podcast. I've been saying that since like 2009. Man. No, no, but hear me out. Hear me out. So I, I'm pretty sure Shumpert's deal for Tyson Chandler works. 
Which who knows? Maybe the Suns want to like take a risk on a guy with some upside. Uh, and Tyson Chandler who, who plays be? defense. Jumper. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> bullshit alert. Like Chandler protects the. <laughs> Chandler rolls to the rib though. He uh, he can help some of the guys maybe improve their attitudes. That's the biggest thing for me. I think Tyson Chandler is a pretty vocal uh, guy in the locker room, and we have I haven't heard anything about Phoenix players having issues. And it's a pretty young team, which usually you'll hear some stuff if anything's going on. So I think he might help the locker room. And then on top of that, we have a trade exception still, I think, from getting Corver, I believe. They have a Corver, Why not tra- to- Corver trade exception, and they have a Kyrie Irving trade exception. Yeah. Why I thought we- the, the Corver one actually expired, I thought. No, the Dunleavy oh. one expired. Oh, Dunleavy did. Yeah, okay. so yeah. Why don't they go for a guy like TJ Warren oh. or something? Uh, TJ Warren, come on. You want to talk about long <laughs> twos. He's been on, yeah, but he's only been on the Suns. He's never been on a legit team. Or, like, just start targeting more guys like that and try yeah. to use the trade exception. Okay. Uh, Eli, who, who do you want to? I'm sorry. I should have uh, characterized it as Mad Raiden Eli Kim, who, yeah. <laughs> who bugs us on the email thread. I got a long list, but oh, I'll try yeah. to keep it short. <laughs> So top three trades for the Cavs. I think my first choice would actually be uh, Bazemore and Deadman from the Hawks because that addresses your rim protection. And Deadman's a very unique player because he can actually hit the three too. And Bazemore's a decent defender. I mean, his contract's atrocious, but I assume you would give JR up in that deal and probably the Cavs' first-round pick. Uh, in any framework of that deal. Um, second, I think the uh, a deal for like Nerlens Noel. Um, it's a smaller deal, and you know you can't re-sign him due to the the way the CBA works. Even if he's really good, you can't sign him with. Who's Bird messing Western. with a tape player there? A tape deck. That's what that sounds like. <laughs> oh, I muted it. Sorry. That's <laughs> okay. Go ahead, Eli. <laughs> and then. Last, I think I would want to do the Kemba Walker deal, and For the, uh, I'd be willing to Nets take. Pick? I would not give him the Nets pick. Well, but what I are you going to give back, up? I would take on Batum's contract. Okay. Yeah, so I would take Batum's contract, Kemba, and uh, I would give them, you know, Jr., which is a shorter deal at less money. Um, Possibly Shumpert if the Hill trade doesn't go through, or some combination of Zizich and maybe an IT back to Charlotte. And uh, I know it's a lot of money for Batum, but you know he actually plays defense, and he can. He used to be able to hit corner threes at decent clips, so I think that's the one trade that I would explore if I'm ready to give up on the IT idea. And Kemba is not a great defender. Can't try to sugarcoat that, but um, at least he's a normal-sized point guard with decent athleticism, and he's, uh, you know, shown that he actually gives a damn about playing basketball. So NCAA national champion too. Won yeah. me about one hundred and twenty bucks that year. He's going to be making twenty-five next year. Yeah, it's insane. So that was, and you know, the funny thing about that is not even the worst 
deal of the contract madness. Like we all know that Mozgov and Deng were probably the worst deals, but oh man, Mozgov, uh, <laughs> Deng was worse because at least Mozgov was younger. <laughs> but yeah, sorry. Did you have more you want to say, David? No, I was just that blows my mind. Yeah. Also, I think uh, kind of listening to everybody's trades, it just makes me realize that if somehow we get rid of Shumpert or J.R. Smith, like it's going to be to a dumber team. <laughs> right, so it has to be like, <laughs> like the, or, or you're going to have to give up a draft pick to get that. If we, that's why the Kings yeah. are in play to me. <laughs> anti, or Anti-Zisage might uh, entice Charlotte. He does like <laughs> large white players. <laughs> He does. That's right. But they got to be American white players like Adam Morris and, and uh, Frank Spencer Hawes. True Patriot. Yeah. And Spencer Frank, Hawes. Frank and the Tank. Frank Kaminsky. Me. Yeah. And uh, and one of the, the second Zeller brother. <laughs> the better Zeller brother. The, yeah. The, the, the third Zeller brother. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Tom, what about you? Anybody, anybody striking your fancy? I mean, George Hill is the best. For what I saw, which we weren't giving up the draft pick, it was like basically we dump Shump and Fry and get George Hill. I mean, that seems the most palpable to me of all the moves that I've seen on the table. I like the idea of Jandre Jordan, but not not really for the Nets pick. But um, I don't know. I I have a DeAndre take. <laughs> okay, so. DeAndre's not going to help the Cavs because our guards don't recover. <laughs> DeAndre take. DeAndre take. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the guards don't recover at all. So no matter what, you can't have one guy cover two people. <laughs> and, like, I can't see. So DeAndre might deter him from going to the hoop, but he's not going to stop the open guy from getting the ball. Yeah. Maybe. At least now we get a chance to rebound the ball sooner and have more time for possessions. I, I just think you could go from you know, 30th in defense to maybe 20th with a guy like that. I don't know. I'm not no. saying you become like a good defensive team. I just think there's obviously room for improvement by replacing poor defensive players with like decent defensive players. See, I think, whoa, 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 Tom, that's like crazy talk. <laughs> Wait, I mean, what is that? <laughs> that's, that's definitely true, but you got to have a specialized defense to make DeAndre worth it. Yeah, like that's you can't play that type of defense in the modern NBA unless well, your guys are gotta, super crisp. Yeah, you've got to have guys that can rotate out to shooters and everything. Like when DeAndre drops, because he's got to drop on the pick and roll, you know, to cover the rim, and also because he can't switch. So, yeah, like you were just saying. Sorry, here's me saying what David was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Nate. Interruption alert. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, I, yeah, I, I, I don't love DeAndre Jordan for the same reason. And, you know, that's probably part of why I pushed him in so hard. Because I feel like he's a guy that if he, you know, he can shoot threes, he's going to get you shot blocking. He's a decent team defender. Um, he, he, like, does a lot of the stuff DeAndre Jordan does and then does a lot of stuff DeAndre doesn't do a lot better so and i don't love base more but i feel like he's the best wing that they could maybe get but yeah, the other funny thing about that is like it literally gives the Cavs like four or five 20 million dollar contracts plus yeah which is which is crazy well uh, same with george hill yeah 
Oh, no, I was including him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so. Oh, I uh, thought you were talking about DeAndre. Well, him too, yeah. I mean, if if you go that route, because by all accounts, to me, George Hill is just the start. There's going to be more going on with that. So, But my take is don't move that pick because, you know, if you've got a chance, and you all, we all know that if the one thing the Cavs have going for them is if they are in the lottery, they're going to get the number one pick. It's that the Nick Gilbert magic. So, you know, the Cavs got that going for them. So then this draft is the most loaded since 2003, I believe. So... So anyway, um, podcast getting a little long in the tooth. Uh, any any parting shots? Uh, anything you want to shout out, Eli? Um, I think I want to throw a little shout out to. Uh, actually, I do want to throw a small shout out to the Admiral David Robinson. Uh, I was actually on a conference call with him, potentially what? doing some deals with him. Yeah, bro. Come on. You know what? He heard a lot in the Navy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so interesting. You made up for some, uh, you made up for some lapses earlier with that. Uh, sorry, go ahead. So interesting enough, like this, this new year so far, I've worked, uh, been on a couple conference calls with uh, celebrities. So David Robinson's one, and the other one is uh, Mitt Romney's son. So, <laughs> Mitt Romney's wow. son is a celebrity? Wow. Well, yeah. Or like famous people, I guess. Okay. Famous connections. Didn't his son get kidnapped by like the cartel or something? Whoa. Huh? Bullshit alert. Yeah, they- <laughs> Bullshit alert. <laughs> no, there's, there's alert, something alert. <laughs> there's something weird with the Romney family and like they're found in Mexico. No, they they killed they yeah. killed Kennedy, don't you remember? Romney's dad killed Kennedy. Wasn't that what it was? Oh. Ted Cruz. Romney has like a Hispanic Oh yeah, you're right. Belt. No, you're Come right. on, I'm, mate. I'm God. Two steps oh. forward, three steps back. What is all going those, on? Right all now? those conservatives look the same to me. Sorry. Oh, oh wow. Was... <laughs> yeah, no, he has colonies in Mexico. Yeah, no, I believe that. Yeah. yeah. I don't think that was this on though. All right, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so David, anything you want to shout out? Any what what beer are you drinking um, these days? Uh, I'm drinking some Sierra Nevada, and then I've been sampling the Aldi's beers to see what they're all about. Are they any not good? Fit. Uh the Monterey one is all right. That's like their Corona. It's not bad <laughs> if you throw lime in it. Well, what is? What <laughs> then isn't it's bad. bad. <laughs> yeah, then it's bad. Don't fruit the beer, David. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, I guess as far as suggestions go, I read the Gucci Mane biography. It's interesting and worth checking out. I guess. And then everyone should watch that Voyeur movie on Netflix. Which movie? It's just called The Voyeur. Um, it's a documentary that's about this creepy dude who, like, about bought the a USA hotel. gymnastics doctor? No, no. Well, no. This dude just bought a hotel, though, and was spying on people and, like, taking, like, intense notes about it. It's really crazy. Um, it's that gay Talasi guy is the journalist who first discovered the guy. And wrote about it in the New Yorker about a year huh. and a half ago, and that's, then this that's is like just kind of like the plot it. of a '90s movie starring <clears throat> Sharon Stone, Jennifer Love Hewitt. No, starring Sharon Stone and one of the lesser Baldwins. 
Yeah, it's it's <laughs> like a crazy documentary, and then I guess there's a book about it too. Um, one of the lesser Baldwins, or one of the lesser Bridges? No, one of the lesser Baldwins. There's only one lesser Bridges, and Bo is not the lesser bridge. <laughs> as, <laughs> brother, just to clear, just to clear that up. Nice, David. Uh, I I will have to check that out. That sounds interesting. Uh, Tom, any anything you're gonna uh, you're gonna pitch or? Uh, I, I'm surprised I, uh, you're even allowing me to do this, Nate. I thought I was in podcast timeout. Um, I'm sorry, time. <laughs> so you, you got any Rocket League stories you want to recycle? Uh, I need one story. I'm playing Rocket League right now. Actually, I know you're no. playing Rocket League right now. Um, no, actually, you know what game has had my fancy for the last couple months is Subnautica. Have I told touch you guys about Subnautica before? What's the that? underwater survival game? Oh, I'll have to check that out. It's been I've in been, early I've... access for like three years, and oh, today okay. was the official launch day. And I got to tell you guys, if we took an hour of our worst podcast moments over the last five years or whatever and just clip them all together to make the most train wreck of a podcast ever, it would be orders of magnitude better production quality than this Twitch live stream event that they threw tonight <laughs> to unveil the game. I mean, it was awful. Like, first of all, you, you like, go to their Twitch page, and it's just this count. It's just this graphic with a countdown, right? And you know and what happens when the countdown ends? I'll tell you. Do you want to know what happens? No, you want to guess what, what happens? happens? <laughs> you get the clacks on. <laughs> <laughs> no, better. Basically, there's a countdown, and then once it hits zero, it, the the... The numbers just changed to having a plus sign in front of it, and the numbers just counted up all the way up to like 14 minutes. So it's just like, uh, so of course the people in the Twitch chat are just being savage about this whole thing. Then they finally cut to what looks like two people, and they're both really awkward looking, and the dude on the left, who looks like he hasn't bathed or shaved in months, they show his name and they show his twitter handle and his twitter handle is eat addiction <laughs> and diction is like d-i-c-t-i-o-n but i'm just like are we serious right now they start they start they're talking and there's no sound so they're talking for like a minute there's no sound then they cut and all of a sudden oh okay now we have sound and they start talking for about five seconds and then it cuts out and it goes to the screen that says technical difficulties. Then after five <laughs> minutes, that, basically, yeah, it says our submarine is sinking is what it is, what the graphic says. Our submarine is sinking. Please stand by. For technical I did it perfect that time. <laughs> you did it perfect. So then it comes back. The camera is pointed upwards. So all you see is like the t- from their forehead up. There's still no sound. And it went, it toggled back and forth between that camera scene and the technical difficulties for the next like 20 minutes. Then they finally like figured out sound, kicked it over to like the CEO of the company, who's this kind of young ish, like probably about 40, real awkward guy that's like way too happy. I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> and and he's basically just being real goofy. And there's I just it was just so bad. And they did the Monterey Bay Aquarium. And at one point, they, like, brought this guy out into this white couch who worked at the aquarium. 
I don't think this guy has ever been on like TV or before. And they, his name was Brian. And they started asking him like questions. He's like, this is Brian, a naturalist at the aquarium. And they just started asking him to talk about Subnautica. And if it was pretty obvious, he's like never played the game. So he starts talking about other games. <laughs> That is like you would have to try to put together an event this. Oh, you would, and I, 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 you guys, if you have to try to find this stream because if they actually have the balls to go ahead and save this to their Twitch channel, I give you know I have a lot of respect for that because this is is like the worst. This is how old I am. What is Twitch? Are you being serious? Oh, Nate, man, I have no idea what Twitch is. You can you can watch people play Mario and beat it in like five minutes. Oh, I have seen that. Yeah, Tom tried to talk me into that. Yeah, for for live anyway or whatever. Yeah, (laughs) anyway, um, it it was awful. I I tried. I mean, I love the game, so I tried to get into this, and after about a half hour, I was just like, I can't do this anymore. This is so bad. Like, they kept trying to show these trailers, which were good trailers. And they would, anytime they switched anything, so they switched cameras, switched to, like, we're going to show you a trailer, there would be no sound. Every time, there would be no sound. And then it would go back to technical difficulties, and then they would have to try to, you know, fix it. And it was just like, man, this is so bad. Like, I'm embarrassed for you guys. And they're all, like, holding glasses of red wine, so I'm wondering, like, are these guys, like, half all just drunk? And I don't know. It was just, it was so bad. But Subnautica is a great game. And so, you know, if you, and now it's all, it's available on all these consoles. And I would definitely recommend checking it out if you're into video games in general or looking for something a little different. And definitely if you're into kind of like survival type games, of which there's a lot of those now. Yeah, I love, all right, all right, all right, I, I love right. survival games. No, I've got a bunch of those. I've got the Long Dark. That's a really good game from what I've played so far. I've got this like little hex-based game called Neo Scavenger, which is fantastic. And then kind of the new one, and is this is it like a roguelike? Do you know what a roguelike is, Tom? I don't think so. Describe. So that. roguelike is where it's assumed when you play it that you're going to die a lot, and then kind of every time you die, you your characters will have better attributes though. And then kind of the game resets itself, like the level order and everything is re-randomized every time you play. Um, no, that sounds more like dark souls or something. This isn't like that. Not, not quite like that, but so yeah, I've got right now, I've got a roguelike sort of called, um, uh, sunless sea, which is a Victorian literary wow. role-playing game that takes place wow. under the wow. sea, in a cavernous wow. sea and fallen It's like London. someone made a game just for you, old oh, man. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, that sounds actually interesting. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, so it, It's, but, it's yeah, very text-heavy. Yeah, Subnautica is great. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a bit like Minecraft-y, at least that's how it was in early access, and it still has those components where you can, you can build bases and, you know... Um, do all kinds of kind of fun crafting things, but, uh, you know, it's underwater, it's, it's difficult, it's kind of atmospheric, you know, scary and sort of like the mist sense going back to, you know, mid 90s. Whoa, you call me old. Yeah, man. Broader bun software, dude. (laughs) Bring me the blue pages. Um, wow, you are dating yourself, Tom. Yeah, yeah. I was a kid then. I mean, I'm not that old. Let's, let's take it easy here. But, <laughs> but I did have this startling realization of the day, Nate, that next, within next year, I will be closer to 50 than to high school, which that, 
sucks. Oh, yeah, oh yeah, I, I, I feel for you, bud. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, Subnautica is great. And then the other thing I was going to just pitch is I know I've brought up the last like 10 podcasts, but Detectorists is maybe like my favorite <laughs> show of all time. I, uh, I pirated season three, watched, binge watched it in one night with my wife. And we're just like, sad it's over. You know, it's like just, I don't know. I don't know what to say except I just love that show. And I was, yeah. I was oh, I've been watch watching uh, Electric Dreams on Amazon. Some pretty good stuff. The third, uh, the fourth episode, Steve Buscemi is one of the strangest hours of television I've ever watched, and I can't recommend it highly enough. So, hmm. is it like a? Um, it's almost like Twilight a Twilight Zone. No, well, yeah, it's a, it's episodic like that, or uh, and and anthologized like that. But the first episode is almost like a Terry Gilliam sci-fi movie. Uh, mixed with, you know, the weird, uh, almost like Edward Scissorhands, weird suburbia sci-fi. It's, it's odd. It's really good, though. Huh. Anyway. Interesting. Um, and, and, of course, last week I talked about Blade Runner 2049, which got some Oscar oh, yeah. So Was it good? It was very good. Um, Did EG love it? EG also loved it. So Good. Yeah, we, bo- we both enjoyed it a lot. So. Yeah, I know his first Blade Runner is like one of his favorite movies. Yep, yep. That's so, cool. uh, podcast getting a little long in the tooth, so I think it's time to dive this submarine and, and rig for silent running. So, <laughs> oh, how long have you been prepped? Out? I, I just, you know, I uh, just off the cuff, bud, you. off I the cuff, you. bud. You have that, you have that ability. From time <laughs> to time. <laughs> uh, and, uh, so when do the Cavs play again, Eli? Yeah, hopefully never. <laughs> so I'm feeling Friday. too right now. Play Friday in Detroit and play Sunday at home against Detroit. Okay. Oh yeah. So Someone it's asked a me, home and home. So or home. Someone asked me today at work, when are the Cavs gonna win again? And I just sarcastically said like, eh, 2024. And he goes, No, I don't, I don't mean a championship. He means I just mean win a game. And I'm like, yeah, 2023. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay, well, uh, this has been another exciting episode of Cavs the Podcast. Uh, <laughs> very I'm Nate very Smith exciting, very exciting. With Tom Pesek, Eli Kim, and David Wood. And as always, go Cavs. Go Cavs. Go Cavs. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we're at right now. Thank you for listening to Cavs the Blogs Podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite blogger. There's a fire. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.